0: with me to Psalm 110, Psalm 110, and uh, I think it's neat, uh, I actually changed the text I was going to preach on tonight, and um, it's neat to me how God lines that up, Brother, Brother Philip and his, his theme, and uh, he knows what we need and uh, knows how to give it to us, and that's, that's a wonderful thing about the Lord. Uh, Psalm 110 and verse 1, recently we, um, we had the Super Bowl, and uh, once again, the, the team that won the Super Bowl reached the pinnacle, the height of honor uh, for people who play the game of football. Now, probably most of us won't remember that next year, who won, but uh, it is an honor But I want to tell you something, Jesus Christ is the greatest of the great, the highest of the high, and there is no one who can come close to him. He is the pinnacle of every man, Uh, he's greater than any who have ever lived or ever will live, and he is Lord over the heavens. All the angels bow before him because of his greatness, and uh, we need to worship and praise Him for who He is. And this psalm is a, is a little bit unique. A lot of the psalms look forward to Jesus um, and talk about Him as our Messiah, but a lot of them are, do so in a way that uh, is kind of a veiled or picture type of, of way of looking forward. In other words, it may speak of a king that is reigning at that time, But there may be some certain scriptures that are prophetic that don't apply to that king that look forward to the Messiah. But but it generally looks looks to that original king as a picture or type of the one to come. But this psalm is unique in that I don't think it can be talking about anybody else but Jesus Christ. No one else fulfills the qualifications that are contained here. And this is a psalm about his greatness, about Jesus' work from the time he ascends to heaven uh, after his resurrection until the time that he comes again and rules and reigns on this earth and and into the future. Uh, It mentions work that he's doing right now in our lives, but it also mentions future work that he will do. Um, And so um, we need to worship the greatness of who Jesus is, and honor Him for who He is. And the title of my message is The Greatness of Jesus. And look with me at verse 1 of Psalm 110. It says, This is the declaration of the Lord. But actually, you should back up. Because that title that says, A Psalm of David, is actually in the original text of Scripture. It's not just a title an editor has put there. It's actually in the original text. Literally in Hebrew, it says, to David, uh, a psalm. And why is that important? Well, because Jesus mentions this very thing. Some people have denied that, you know, they'll say, well, you know, David probably didn't write this. It was probably a hymn for the. No, David did write it. It's in the original text of Scripture. And uh, why that's significant is if David is saying, He's my Lord. That is a hugely significant statement. So I'm not going to preach yet. I was just reading, but I kind of got excited. Anyway, uh, verse 1. This is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Rule over your surrounding enemies. Your people will volunteer on your day of battle. In holy splendor from the womb of the dawn. The dew of your youth belongs to you. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever, according to the pattern of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his anger. He will judge the nations heaping up corpses. He will crush leaders over the entire world. He will drink from the brook by the road. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The greatness of Jesus. Well, why is Jesus great? First of all, Jesus is great because he is the sovereign Lord. He is the sovereign Lord. David says, this is the declaration of the Lord to my Lord. Uh, What is David saying? David is saying, this individual that I'm writing this song about is greater than I am. He is my Lord. David was the king of all Israel. Not only was he the king of all Israel, but he was the greatest king uh, in in Israel's history. They look back to David as kind of the spiritual pinnacle of the history of Israel. Solomon had had more wealth and and more more, uh, extended territories and so forth, but David was the man after God's own heart who sought the Lord. And so uh, David says, this individual that is coming is greater than I am. He is my Lord. He is the one to whom I bow as sovereign. Now, Jesus is the sovereign Lord. And uh, we see that in his dealing with nature. He spoke to the winds and the waves. They obeyed. He's sovereign over the winds and the waves. He speaks to the demons and he tells them, as they tremble in fear, go into the pigs, and they go into the pigs, right? They've got to do what he says. They cannot but do what he says. Jesus takes the bread. He tells the little boy, give me your your lunch. And he he takes the bread and he breaks it apart. And the little fish. And I mean, it's a little boy's lunch. It's just a little bit. Uh, I remember when my kids were little... You know, you take them to the uh, to McDonald's, you know, and they'd gnaw on a burger and eat a bite or a bite and a half, you know. And it wasn't much. It didn't take much to satisfy them. But uh, it's amazing. Jesus takes it and feeds 5,000. Why? Because he's sovereign over the bread and the fish. Uh, he can provide supernaturally. Uh, he's sovereign over our lives. It just so happened that Esther... Became the queen for such a time as this. You See, he's sovereign over the situations of our lives. Even in times where we may not see his activity, God is at work. He is sovereign. And Christ is the sovereign of the universe. The Bible says that by him, all things hold together. That's power. Jesus Christ is in control of the planets and the, the orbits of the, of the stars and all of these things. Uh, he is the Lord of it all. I was reading this week in, in a book, it was talking about how finely tuned the universe is. And uh, 322 different things that have to be exactly right in our universe for life to exist. Did you know that? have to be exactly right. If it's a little bit this way, if it's a little bit that way, no life. This is the the universe that our Savior created in His wisdom and by His power. He is the sovereign Lord of it all. (laughs) He's sovereign over death. Ask Lazarus. Jesus walked out of that tomb, didn't He? He's sovereign. He, He is in charge over it all. The fact that he's Lord means that he is the one that we obey and that we bow the knee to. For David to call him his Lord is very significant indeed. So, Jesus is great because he's the sovereign Lord. Secondly, Jesus is great because he's the great conqueror. Verses 1 and 2, God says, he's speaking to Jesus. He says, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, rule over your surrounding enemies. He is the great conqueror. Now, right now, Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. God's given him a name that's above every other name because of his great selfless sacrifice for our sin. And he's sitting there waiting for God to give him the word. And he's going to come back and get his church, and then he's going to bring in a time of judgment. And ultimately, he's going to come back at his second coming. At the end of that seven-year period of tribulation, he's going to come back on a white horse. And the Bible says that the armies of the world will be gathered against Jerusalem. And uh, they will be looking to destroy Jerusalem. And Jesus will come back and with the word that he speaks, he will decimate his enemies. The brightness of his coming will overwhelm them. And Ezekiel describes it as they're, they're standing there and their faces are rotting off while they're standing there. That's some pretty ferocious stuff right there. This is the the conqueror, Jesus the conqueror. I want to tell you something, evil may have its way at times here in this world, but ultimately evil will bow to Jesus Christ. He is the great conqueror. And one day, he's going to send Michael, the archangel, to bind Satan for a thousand years. And after he's released for a short time, he'll be again taken by Michael and thrown into the lake of fire that burns forever and ever. He's the great conqueror. There's no army that can stand against Jesus. There's no warrior, there's no ruler that can stand against him. He is the great conqueror. Now, because of that, we can know that when he rules and he has a peaceable kingdom, what do you have with David and Solomon? David fought battles, right? He, The Philistines and all of these different groups, he would fight them and they would they would take these territories and so forth and the borders of Israel expanded. But when Solomon came to power, there was peace and he ruled with wisdom and peace and so forth and most of most of his reign toward the end, he kind of turned away from God. But just in a general uh, sense, they were a picture of what Jesus is going to do, because Jesus, when he comes back in his second coming, will destroy all of his enemies with mighty power, and then he'll set up his peaceable kingdom. And one day, after that thousand year reign, there will be a new heaven, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem, and. God the Father and God the Son will rule from the center of that new Jerusalem and all the earth will come to worship and to enjoy all the beauty of everything that is there. Uh, It is going to be some kind of situation and it will be peace forever. Isn't that going to be awesome? I get excited just thinking about it. But he's the great conqueror. He's the one who's going to make it possible. So... um, Jesus began history with creation. He ends history uh, with his great conquering power and his peaceable kingdom. And then he sets up the eternal state uh, in his power. So the greatness of Jesus, uh, why is he great? Well, he's great because he's the sovereign Lord. He's great because he's the great conqueror. Next, he's great because he's the unique leader. He's the unique leader. If you look in verse 3, it says, Your people... Will volunteer on your day of battle. Literally, they will be uh, free will offerings for you. They'll they'll offer themselves uh, and and volunteer freely on your day of battle. Now, of course, Jesus won't need them. He's going to be the one <laughs> doing the fighting. Uh, but uh, they will uh, do some things in preparation for the millennium and so forth. And I believe we'll be in, included in that group. Uh But this points to who he is as a leader. There are uh, a lot of great leaders that have have been in history, and um, generally, leaders are people who have enough character to where people want to follow them and have some respect for them. Uh, And uh, they're people who have a great ability to to help people get from point A to point B. Uh, Jesus. It's the best in both of those categories because he has perfect character. He has perfect love for the people that he leads. He is a selfless and a serving leader. And he perfectly knows how to get us from point A to point B. I like what what Jesus said. He said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And as we come to Jesus, and as we seek to have his leadership in our lives now, uh, he can lead us, and, and lead us in a path so that we have rest as we follow him. But he is a unique leader. Jesus is the greatest leader to ever live. We see that in his first coming, right? The, his compassion for people, his love for crowd, He'd be exhausted from, from all the ministries. He's, he's so tired, he's laid in a boat and there's this huge storm and the boat's sinking. and He, he doesn't bat an eye, he's just out. He, but, but though he is so tired from ministry in his human nature, his heart of love reaches out. He sees the multitudes and is moved with compassion. And he ministers to their needs. And that's the Savior that we serve. He, And then ultimately, he set his face to the cross. What greater leader could you have than somebody who willingly lays his life down for you? I said, I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to have to read the paper uh, if, if there was a vote. There's not going to be a vote. But if there was a vote, you wouldn't have to read the paper to decide who to vote for. Jesus is a no-brainer. I mean... Uh, And then when he comes back in power, he'll show that he has the power and the wisdom to govern this world as it has never been governed before. And there will be peace and prosperity and creation itself will be renewed so that we can enjoy things the way God intended. So Jesus is great because he's the sovereign Lord. He's the great conqueror. He's the unique leader. Next, he's the unfailing deliverer. I love this. He says, the the dew of your youth belongs to you. What's he saying there? Forever, Jesus is like a youngster in his his energy. Um, there's There's a distinct difference in energy level when you go into the preschool class and when you go into the senior citizens class, right? There's a whole lot more movement in the preschool class. Um, Why? Because they're they're young, right? They've got all those. We've talked about it before. Boy, if we could harness that energy, what could we get done? If you know, um, what is it saying? It's saying Jesus is not going to someday get tired. His back's not going to start hurting. His knees aren't going to get weak. He's not going to say, "Whoa, boy, I woke up this morning. I had a headache. I just don't know if I can do today." No. The dew of his youth belongs to him forever. There's never a day that you'll live that Jesus won't be sufficient. That he won't be able. That he won't have energy to do what is necessary. That is why he's the unfailing deliverer. Because there's never a time... Isn't it a great thing that God doesn't sleep? If you wake up in the middle of the night and you have a problem, you can call on the name of Jesus. Um, If if it is cold and there's ice outside, you can call on the name of Jesus. If it's hot and there's a drought, you can call on the name of Jesus. Because no matter what the situation is, He is the unfailing deliverer. At every season of life, there's not a time of history that Jesus can't work His wonders. There's not a place on earth. That Jesus can't work in power. He is the unfailing deliverer. He never runs out of energy. He has full, complete strength and wisdom and clarity at all times. Hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, sometimes I, I so, told somebody one day I, I wake up in a new world every day. You know, if I don't, you better, you better have me write it down, you know, because I, I may not remember it if you don't. Uh, But Jesus is never that way. He has full mental clarity. He never forgets when you you pray. So this is is our unfailing deliverer. So Jesus is great because he's the sovereign Lord. He's the great conqueror. He's the unique leader. He's the unfailing deliverer. Next, he is the eternal priest. I love this. Verse 4, the Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. Now, this, this verse makes a lot of people scratch their heads. If you were an Israelite, one thing you knew is that the priestly office and the kingly office were two separate offices. The king is not allowed to go into the Holy of Holies as a priest. Ask Uzziah, okay? (laughs) He had a real bad experience with trying to do that kind of stuff. These are two separate offices. So how is it that God has someone that is going to come as Messiah who is both king and priest? Because he supersedes those, those roles and those categories. Okay. Now there's this old character called Melchizedek in the Book of Genesis, the clean the, the clean white pages probably of Genesis, uh, and and Abraham goes and he fights a, a battle and gets Lot and the you know and delivers the people of Sodom and some other people, but he goes mainly for Lot. And uh, this king of Salem comes out, which Salem is another name for Jerusalem, comes out. And meets him. His name is Melchizedek. It means King of Righteousness. And he's the priest of God Most High. Now, it's only a few verses, but it's this mysterious character. The Bible doesn't tell us when he was born. It doesn't tell us when he died. really didn't tell him much much about him, except that he comes and he brings bread and wine. What does that sound like? Kind of looks like the Lord's Supper, doesn't it? And uh, Abraham tithes to this character. Very significant. So he's an important character. But God didn't tell us a whole lot about him. And I believe that's on purpose because he's supposed to be a picture of Jesus. One who is both king and priest. Mel, melech, king, is the Hebrew word for king. Tzadik, righteous, king of righteousness. Also of Salem, which means peace. So he's the king of peace. Uh, all of these things were pictures. He, he doesn't have a beginning or an end. Hebrews talks about this. Now, it's not that he, he wasn't born or he didn't die, but it's not recorded in Scripture. So because it's not recorded, he becomes a perfect picture of Jesus, who is the eternal kingly priest. He does, Jesus doesn't have a beginning or an end. He's eternal. And so God set up this picture in Melchizedek to show that Levites and and the line of David before Christ, all these things were just preparations for Jesus. They were just pictures and anticipations of Jesus. And Jesus comes, and yes, he does through his mother's, uh, his grandmother's side. He has priestly blood, Levite blood running in his veins, but he's of the tribe of Judah. Because Mary's father is of the tribe of Judah. And Joseph, even though Joseph is not Jesus' biological daddy because of the miracle of virgin birth. Joseph adopts Jesus. And Joseph is of the line of David. So, Jesus is of the line of David through Joseph's daddy back through Solomon and David. But he's also of the tribe of David of uh, the tribe of Judah, through his mother and and her daddy, Heli is his name. It goes all the way back to David's son, Nathan. So he's he's of the tribe of Judah. That fulfills prophecy. But he has Levite blood in his veins. So the Levite priesthood continues in him, though he has a greater priesthood. Jesus, both biologically... And theologically, is the only one who could fulfill this prophecy. He is the priest who has no beginning and no end, a priest forever. By the way, I don't know of any priest who lived forever. Do you? Except for Jesus, he's the only priest uh, who lives, even when he died on the cross. In his eternal divine nature, he was alive. He's existed forever. So, the eternal priest. Now, I, I got into some theology there, but what are the practical, the practical results of this? Well, number one, Jesus is, is someone who can genuinely go into the presence of God and meet our need, intercede for us. Um, those earthly priests, those Levites, they'd tie a rope around their ankle because if they went in there and God struck them dead, they weren't going in after them. They're just going to pull them out by the rope. Okay, (laughs) uh, It's kind of dangerous to be a Levite priest. Jesus, on the other hand, because of his perfect holiness, he goes into the very presence of God with no issues. He's perfectly pure, perfectly holy. Um. As a perfect priest, he can offer the prayer to God that is heard. As God the Son, he knows exactly what to pray. Isn't that great? He knows our hearts inside and out. He knows every thought before. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He searches the hearts and minds. And he knows exactly what we need and he knows exactly how to pray for us. Also, as the eternal high priest, Jesus can offer himself as the eternal sacrifice. Now, I'm glad I don't live under the old covenant. Because I'd be taking sheep to the temple multiple times a day when I blow it to have a sacrifice. You see, those sacrifices were just pictures of Jesus. They couldn't really take away sin. They only atoned for sin in so much as they looked forward to and invoked the sacrifice that was yet to come in Jesus Christ. But Jesus offered an eternal sacrifice. Once for all. Hallelujah. My sin is paid. My debt is canceled. My place in heaven is secured because I have an eternal, great, high priest, Jesus Christ. Um... And he'll always be my priest. He'll always intercede for me. Someday I may be old. I may not know what what world I'm living in. I I may be completely clueless. But Jesus will be praying for me. Isn't that awesome? I I am his child. Hallelujah. So he's the eternal priest. Next I want you to see in verse 5. Excuse me, verse 6. He is the mighty judge. He will judge the nations, heaping up corpses. R.G. Lee uh, preached a sermon, Payday Someday, years ago. And uh, he spoke of the fact that, that we'll have to answer for sin. Those who are lost will have to answer for their sin. Those who are saved, praise God, it's taken care of at the cross. We'll have a judgment of rewards. We'll suffer loss from what is burned up that we've not, if we've not served Christ the right way, or there's times in our life where we got away from the Lord. Those things will suffer loss, but we'll we'll be rewarded for the good things we do for Christ. But for the lost person, they will face God as judge, and Christ will be the judge. And and the only the only way that you can get past the judge is that you've already come to the judge for salvation. See, the perfect judgment of God was carried out at Calvary in our place. When we repent and trust Him, we're forgiven. But for those who don't, the Bible says the books will be opened. There will be a record of every sin. There will be nobody smart-mouthing God or or uh, contesting God, Jesus, the one who has the nail scars in his hands and feet, who paid the price for people to be delivered from hell, there'll be no excuse, and Jesus will judge, and He'll judge justly. And the Bible talks about those who who have sinned greatly will be judged with many stripes; those who have sinned in a lesser way with few stripes. But there'll be there'll be differences of punishment in hell. But He'll ju- He'll judge with perfect. Justice. He is the mighty judge. I want to tell you, that's refreshing to me. I know it's, uh, you know, I don't want lost people to go to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But it's refreshing to me that there's justice. There's so much injustice in this world. It's refreshing to me that there is going to be one day perfect justice. Because we will have a perfectly just king. So, he's the mighty judge. And finally... He is the king of kings. I love this. It says, the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his anger. Verse 6 in the second part says, he will crush leaders over the entire world. There's no one else who has fully fulfilled this scripture except that Jesus will do it one day. When every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord, uh, he'll come back and judge the armies of this world and the kings of this world that have come against his people, um, and he'll set up his kingdom. There'll be no stopping him. It ends, it ends with this, this interesting uh, verse it says, He will drink from the brook by the road, therefore he will lift up his head. In other words, he's not done yet. <laughs> You you stop by and you get you a quick drink and then you get back to business. Jesus is going to be on a mission when he comes back. and There's nobody going to stand in his way. He will be the undisputed king of the world. And and all knees will bow and all voices will honor him Uh, and Satan and his demons themselves must bow before him. So this is the Savior that we serve. I'll just review this real quick. The greatest of Jesus. Why is he great? Because he's the sovereign Lord. He's the great conqueror. He's the unique leader. He's the unfailing deliverer, the eternal high priest, the mighty judge, and the king of kings. What a Savior. As Christians, what do we do with this? Use these titles and worship him for who he is. Lord, I thank you that you are the just judge. In the midst of all this injustice I see in the world, that there's someone who's just, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to bring justice one day. Lord, I thank you that you're the unfailing deliverer. Lord, I, I fail, others fail, uh, people have plans, and a lot of times those don't come to fruition, but I thank you, God, that you are the unfailing deliverer. I praise you for it. Um, I praise you, Lord, for the day when every king will bow the knee to you. I like, you get the idea. So we need to praise, praise him for who he is. Lift him up. And then if you don't know it, bow the knee to him now. Surrender to him now. Choose to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ now. So that when he comes, you can receive him with joy. Because your sins are forgiven. And the path has been made for you uh, for eternal life. Put all your trust in Jesus Christ alone. He is the one who saves. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the greatness of our amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, what a day it's going to be when we get to be in his presence and cast our crowns at his feet. Lord, I pray that you would just... um, Let us live in anticipation of that day. And thank you that in the meantime, Lord, we can come to you and to our great Savior. And we can can call upon you to help us in difficulty. And, and Lord, we can know that you walk with us through every circumstance. Thank you for all that you've done for us. For answer prayers and for miracles and for other things, God.